Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome to Wrestling Rewind. I am your host, Angel Amoroso, and I am joined by my co-host, the Iron Man, Tommy Cairo. Tommy? Hey, what's happening? And this evening on Wrestling Rewind, we have a special interview with Mr. Gary Michael Capetta. Uh, Gary, would you like to say hi to everyone? Hey, everybody. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Gary is joining us by voice this evening uh, while we share screen. And uh, we're just we're going to get underway with the interview. Uh, I, I have a multi multifaceted question, of course. Uh, when, when when what got you interested in wrestling? And what year did you start? Who did you train by? What promotions have you worked for? Uh, some of your highlights in your career. Uh, just you know, pretty much we're just going to sit back and we'd like to hear the story of Gary Michael Capetta. So please. Get us started as soon as you're ready. Well, um, I, I noticed wrestling on TV when I was in sixth grade, and I thought it was kind of, um, I thought it was the kind of thing I shouldn't be watching as a kid, <laughs> because, you know, these scantily clad guys in the dark, at that time uh, in wrestling, it was a darkened arena, um, people hooting and hollering all around. It just seemed like something I, I shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be allowed to watch. <laughs> So, um, of course, you put that in front of a kid and that's going to intrigue them. Um, so, uh, you know, I just continue to watch and um, through high school and I would go to uh, wrestling shows every once in a while. Uh, my, my parents were not very supportive, but they would like drop me off with my cousin to see a show in northern New Jersey. So a lot of the armories, Elizabeth Armory, Patterson Armory, Newark Armory, um, and then in the summer, it would be the convention halls at the shore. So we're talking Asbury Park, Atlantic City, Wildwood. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it got to a point when I was in, in college, my senior year of college, where um, it became like a little bit more difficult to afford the gas and the entrance fee, which is laughable now when you see you know, that it was like $3.50 to get in. But we're also talking about like 40 cents a gallon gasoline. So it's all relative. Uh, I mean, my sure. I was trained to be a teacher and my first teaching job, I made $8,800 for the year. So it's all it's all very relevant. And, and I had turned down a teaching job, which paid $6,600. Which year. subject were you? Uh, did, Spanish. Were you? Oh. I was a Spanish teacher. Yeah, in high school. 
Great. Um, so uh, in order to get into the matches for free, I went up to New York City and uh, Ring Wrestling Magazine had an office there. I went in, I talked the guy into giving me a, a press pass. I wrote a couple of articles. This would have been the spring of 74. I graduated from college that year in 74. And uh, one night I was at the matches in Wildwood. They didn't have an announcer. Um, I volunteered. And um, I was, you know, dressed in jeans and T-shirt. So they didn't want me to go in the ring. I just sat at the timekeeper's table. And at the end of the night, Willie Gilsenberg, who was the president of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation at the time, uh, came up to me and said, hey, kid, that's, that wasn't bad. Um, you have any experience? And I lied to him and I said, sure. And he said, okay, we'll come back. Next weekend is the big 4th of July show in Wildwood and uh, wear a suit and we'll put you in the ring. And that's how I, uh, that's how I started. And I worked for 11 years with, uh, uh, for the McMahons, Worldwide Wrestling Federation, then World Wrestling Federation from uh, 74 to uh, 85. And then um, Vern Gagne had asked me to announce his ESPN show. So it was a, a national show. Uh, remembering all of my WWF years, that was regional. So that was only seen every week from Maine down to D.C., um, New York, out to Pittsburgh. So now I was being offered a national ESPN show, and I went with it, um, which introduced me to not only the AWA, but also the AWA started working with the NWA, so that introduced me to the Crockett's. Um, so I went on with the Crockett's, as it turns out, did their weekly, um, not their weekly, their monthly show in Baltimore. Now we're talking mid to late 80s after doing some independent work to bridge. And I'm teaching all of this time. Um, I taught all the way through until uh, I went with WCW in 89. Um, and I would be called to do pay-per-views and Clash of the Champions. But like a lot of those were on weekends. And, um, you know, I just flew out to do them. I came back and I was back in the classroom. Um, now, all so, this traveling, uh, what, what school did you teach at in what state? It was um, most of, well, there were several schools. But for the latter part, most for the, uh, the last part, it was Christian Brothers Academy in um, Lincroft, New Jersey, okay. Monmouth County. Mm. So, um, yeah, so then um, Vern Gagne had asked me to go out to Minneapolis and do his Wrestle Rock pay-per-view. And then he asked me to do his Clash of Champions, not Clash of Champions. Um, oh, what was the name? Super Clash. Super Clash 3, I think it was in Chicago, and the NWA was being purchased by Turner Broadcasting, and Jim Hurd was the first boss there, and I had been doing um, their big shows, so when he saw me on an AWA show, he sent message, a message to me to tell me, 
Um, no, like you can't do that. You're our announcer. And I said, bullshit. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, if you expect me to be exclusively to you, then you have to put me under contract. Right. Because if I have a free night, I'm not going to turn down a big payday for you who's not, I'm not going to be loyal to you if you're not going to be loyal to me. It's really what it boiled down to. Right. Which is what brought me to my first WCW contract. So um, I started in um, 89 in WCW and worked there for um, six years. And then um, the next promotion that I worked with any regularity would have been Ring of Honor. And that was in um, early to mid 2000s. I had seen one of their shows. It blew me away. Just a, a great product. Um, and I had given... Gabe Sapolsky, who was in charge of um, everything there, uh, I gave him a call and I complimented him on the product. And I said, if there's any way I can you know, be of any assistance, let me know. I, it doesn't have to be in front of the camera in any, in any manner. The only thing I won't do, I won't ring announce. I want to do something different. Oh. And he called me back a few weeks later and said, I've got an idea. What about if you become our backstage interviewer um, and it was for their dvd product they weren't on broadcast television at the time and um yeah so I, I worked with them for a while um i wrote my book in the meantime i wrote a screenplay in the meantime um in 2002 i did a live stage show which i um brought back to life uh within the last six years no. And I went on the road uh, with it. Now, what is that about, Gary? Um, it's actually taking my book and bringing it to life. It's um, as a teacher, I know that not everybody learns in the same way. Not everybody reads books. So I had giant screen video behind me as I'm telling stories from the book. So you're seeing what's what I'm the people I'm talking about, and in some cases, the actual. Um, incident, like the night Mick Foley lost his ear in Munich, Germany. Um, there's video out there of that happening. So as I'm telling the story, you're watching it. Um, and then there's a question and answer at the end. So I brought that to well, about 20 cities um, a few years ago until COVID hit. Oh. And then um, you had I had to stop. Mm -hmm. Meantime, I heard from uh, I did, I did that one guest um, stint with AEW a couple years ago, which was fun. And I, th that, that was important because that brought me into a new decade. <laughs> now, was it where you were a ring announcer there? I, I was the, um, it was right before the John Moxley, Chris Jericho championship match. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I did the weigh-ins. Oh, in the middle okay. of the ring in front of the fans. Now, that leads me to a question. Uh, you say, you know, you didn't want to do the ring announcing when you were called. So what other positions in wrestling have, have you held other than a ring announcer? Um, well, I was a Spanish commentating voice mm -hmm. for uh, WCW in Los Angeles. 
I also produced some of their um, interview segments backstage. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm really proud of this. Just uh, within the last month, I made my um, managing debut. <laughs> really? Against, with who? We got to know the wrestler you're managing. Oh, it was uh, the Atkins Brothers. Oh. Um, I had been to a, a, a guest ring announce stint in Scranton, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and their champions and their, their manager, um, they kind of belittled me. You know, they were mocking me, and I told them I was going to come back. And, uh, you know, like, I'm an old man. There's nothing I can do to defend myself here, but I will return with a team that will (laughs) kick your butts. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) And I did. And, in fact, I drove through the blizzard to get there because it was on that Saturday. Wow. Um, And uh, and we won the the titles. Who did you have with you? I had the, the, the Atkins brothers. Um, oh, tell me they're legit NCAA wrestlers wow. and they're identical twins. Oh, I, you know what? I, that's my favorite thing when I see twins in wrestling. It's it's just, it's, it's an, you know, that little bit of extra, it, it, it gives the show. I, I love it. I love well, twins. What I thought of immediately, years ago, um, whether it was the Killer Bees mm-hmm. or whether it was the Executioners, if you had a masked team, they did the switcheroo. Yes. Well, you can do the same thing with identical twins. Exactly. You don't need masks. Right. We use them to face. It's the best way. And just confuse the referee. It was wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. So did so you do any more after that? Date. Excuse me? Did you manage any more after that? Uh, no. That, that just happened a few weeks ago. Oh, and it okay. was out of necessity because I had to defend my honor, Tommy. Sure. I had to defend my honor. Absolutely. But you you might have to continue to defend your honor and, you know, maybe make a few more appearances, well, right? There are teams out there that need some guidance. They know where to find GMC. Beautiful. So, Tommy, did did you have – I know you had some yeah, questions yeah. for Gary. If I wasn't so crippled, I could I could be part of that crew. But that's 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 a – so I guess what I really wanted to ask you is that what was the reason that you picked um, and that was that your first choice to be a ring announcer or at, at, at the beginning, did you consider anything else or would you have considered anything else? Well, um, physically, I couldn't be a wrestler. I'm, I'm not an athlete. Right. Referees, from my viewpoint at that time as a fan, they were always um, dissed and they were always abused. So I thought, I don't want that. Right. So there wasn't much left, you know, from what I could see. And, um, and I really didn't try too hard. I really didn't go after the job. It was just this one night they didn't have an announcer. And I just thought, well, I can do that. Yeah. I can I say for a second, I, I know Tommy, and I, I asked if you had any questions, yeah, okay. but, but in, in your time, Gary, uh, you know, you say you didn't want to get physical. You didn't want to be a wrestler because you didn't get physical. But it got physical, even with you being a ring announcer. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. want to get into some of that. Like, how well, did you feel being like chased after and shaken up and and all that? That like Tommy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like this is what I remember. Um, sometimes you were cut short, uh, mm. or 
made the announcement, but you had not let yet cleared the ring. By the time the heels were in there and it got crazy, was any of that ever discussed beforehand, or was that just an ad lib on the workers' part, and you had to be ready for anything and you know bail out? Yeah, I just, I just, it was all um, impromptu. You know, and, I, I never, I never knew what was going on, and it was uh, wow. better that way. Mm-hmm. It was better that way because everything was more um, natural. Natural, yeah. Yes. Right. And uh, and I reacted seriously. You know, back in those days when I started, um, yeah, I didn't I didn't stroll into a locker room. I wasn't allowed into the locker room for two years. Wow, that was a protected area. Hmm. So I was an outsider. Um, but then, you know, there were wrestlers like George Steele and Jimmy Snuka and the Samoans um, that used me as a prop because I was, um, um, I was like, you're every man. So when they dissed me, they were dissing everyone that was sitting at ringside. Yes. And, um, and I think that that was the, the strength of it. And they also... With time, they they saw how um, dedicated I was to what I was doing. I put my heart and soul into it because I was a fan. So <laughs> I, I announced that that extra oomph that I would give it as a ring announcer. That was my fan side coming out, and those guys um, appreciated that. Sure, you know I always treated everyone respectfully and and the business respectfully. And they appreciated that. They drew attention to me, but it was, you know, to get themselves over. Of course. Yeah. And, and they did it so well. You know, you, you all looked great in there. And, you know, we were all believing what we were saying. And, you and know, look how, how years, for the best. Look how many years later, you know, you remember that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and pretty, probably pretty clearly. Absolutely. Because it was just not done back then. Right. They had to have a certain reverence for you. Also, I would think that they messed around with it. They probably said, let's go in here and shake Gary up a little. We'll hit the rings soon. <laughs> they did it out of, of, of respect and uh, admiration of the fact that you love the business, you had a passion for the business. I'm quite sure if they wouldn't put bring any attention to someone they didn't care about or think was there in the right for the right reasons. Right. I, I think so. And, and also, um, one of my strengths... Um, through the years was the identification that I had with the fans. Um, I had a really good rapport with, with the fans so that no matter, and this was a, this was a strength that I had in the eyes of the promoters so that no matter what I told the fans, they believed me (laughs) even at times when we had to shade the truth, for instance, why a main eventer wasn't there. Um, and to get the people to believe that what they were going to see instead was going to be greater than what they paid to see. Um, and uh, because we, you know, we, we had to offer refunds, usually uh, with the NWA in Baltimore, and it didn't happen often, but when we had to replace a main eventer, um, the folks had until the end of the first match to go get a refund. So it was up to me to try to convince them that you're going to see something greater than you expected. Um, so we had, you know, consequently, 
less refunds. The promoters were happy and they kept on inviting me back. I got to say that um, I, I attended a lot of those shows back in the day for Philly, Baltimore and, and you know, beyond. And I, I really always looked forward to seeing you as the ring announcer opposed to other people they had, you know, in and out at the time. So, uh, you know, it was I, I thought it was it was the way you did things were it's, it's a lot, you know, it just got to the fans in, in a different way than other ring announcers put things so like a lot made you made people feel comfortable with situations and, and then excited when they needed to feel excited. And that's, it's what's like, you know, ring ring announcing is probably one of the more important part of the shows, you know, because you're the guy who's got to get the fans hyped up for the guys coming in a ring. So it's, uh, you know, tell those stories in between. So it, you know, always look forward to seeing you rather than someone else in there. Well, you know, you, you had to know your role. Mm-hmm. And my role was not to bring attention to myself. Mm-hmm. My role was to be a supporter of the headliners. Right. And not just the headliners, but every guy that wrestled on the card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to, you know, give the same energy to the first match as I did to, you know, the fourth match or the fifth match. Um and um, yeah, I, I hope I achieved that. Well, I, I, yeah, I think at a time where most of the announcers were older guys also. So, you know, you were, you were one of the first, you know, young guys that I can remember taking a major role as far as announcing. So that was probably fre- a refresher too, you know? Yeah. And you know, the, the reason for that is that in most cities um, where, you know, wrestling was, um, controlled by the state athletic commission, the personnel were buddies with the commissioners, so they would be older guys, yep. guys that had been around. And um, I actually, for instance, all of the years that I announced in the Spectrum, and all of the years I announced for the TV shows in Philly and in Hamburg, um, by law I wasn't a, really allowed to announce in Pennsylvania. You had to be a resident of Pennsylvania to announce in Pennsylvania. But the McMahons wanted me to do it so they would pay off the commissioner. (laughs) Nice. And and the agreement was just so our ring announcer got a payday. So they would pay him what he would usually get, and then they would bring me in and pay me. And like for Spectrum shows, um, I would decide which matches the commission announcer would introduce and i would you know i would give him his matches and and everybody would be happy because everybody would go home paid fantastic now, uh, tommy i know you had uh, so, some other questions well basically what I, I know my we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that gary and i know each other since i was a young guy yes um, I, I would be interested to hear a, a quick or whatever amount of time it takes you to explain that because I know what I would say, but I wanted to know what your, uh, yeah. you know, your. I answer. can tell you what I remember, and you'll probably correct me. Okay. okay. Um, I think the first time I saw you was in West Orange, New Jersey, at South Mountain Arena. Yes. And you were um, 
helping and setting up the chairs, those exactly. old heavy wooden chairs yep. um, at ringside. Um, every year in January, uh, WWF held a benefit for the Unico, which is an Italian organization, in West Orange. And most times, Bruno Sammartino was brought in to wrestle. Um, and I don't know how it was that we got talking. And you may... Now, this was be obviously way before internet or whatever. So you... I don't know. Maybe you gave me your number or something. And I do remember... Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but did I, I brought you to a show after that. I sort of remember picking you up. Was it at Belleville High School? Yes. And um, you came to the show with me. Yep, I remember. I don't remember where we went, and I don't remember anything past that. And then I remember our association during your bodybuilding years, your competitive years. And didn't you come to... Did you come to Seaside to help yes. me out with the benefit? It was, uh, was it muscular dystrophy? I think so. It might have been. I, yes. And I, I posed, made an exhibition posing and spoke to the people. And uh, yes, it, it was awesome. I was happy. So those to are the highlights of my memories of our history. Okay. So I'll give Fill you me in. You met me prior to that. At Belleville High School, I was on my bicycle, about 14 years old. And, of course, I knew that the show was in town, which meant I was going to be hanging around from 536 o'clock to see if I could get a glimpse of backstage. And I met you. We spoke. And you said, uh, come back at 7 o'clock. Um, come by this back door. And you, I did, and you let me in. That was my first introduction to you. I didn't remember this until you said it about me taking a ride with you to the show, but then we didn't see each other for a number of years. The next time you saw me, I had to be almost 100 pounds heavier on your pier where Teddy had his little wrestling school. And you had the little apartment up, upstairs, you know, across from the, the uh, pier. And uh, while I was training there, um, Tom Fernini showed up and said, kid, come over here. I want you to be in East Lyme, Connecticut. It was like a month away or whatever. And I'm like, for what? He says, what do you mean for what? To wrestle. I said, I'm still training. He goes, you'll be fine. Now, I had no gear. I had no way to get gear. And I really didn't have the money. So Gary, generous as he is, pulled out a $100 bill, gave me the address to be in a boot shop in Paris, Arkansas, and said, send this to them and trace your foot on a piece of paper and order your boots. So that's what I did. Um, I wow. also, yep, I also procured the uh, number for KNH and also for the the pictures. Um, so you know, I was training on his parents, his peer. Um, yeah, and that's that's what I remember the most was you know this guy helped me out. I didn't have a hundred dollars for boots. I didn't know where to get them, and I didn't know if I'd get them in time. The boots came a day or so before the show, so I was in. Full gear, you know, and, and went up and did, did my first show. Um, but the most I remember was that, you know, Gary was uh, very much available. If I said I was coming, I would be in the area. I remember coming down with a girlfriend. We visited him at his house in Seaside Park. And he was just one of those easygoing guys. And, you know, uh, if I needed help, I knew I knew he was, he was there. And um, it was just a pleasure to meet him. And I, those are some fond memories I have um, in the beginning. Um, so I would always, you know, thank you for that because you 
you know, you were just an easy guy to talk to. And you were, you'd seen a, a guy like me that doing the same thing you did, going to the matches, all those places. I've been to all of them. Traveled to all those little Newark Armory at 10 years old. I saw my first match. So it's a parallel a little bit on, you know, the beginning part. So it's always been a pleasure and one of my favorite people I ever met in the business. Yeah, but Tommy, you know, like that, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't um, recognize a spark in you. Yes. Like I, 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 that's not something, you know, that I do on a weekly basis. <laughs> I, I, I felt that. So I, I recognize, uh, well, first off, you were training and you were training hard. And I know how much. <laughs> Who did we lose? We lost somebody. Was that? Did we lose I, you, Gav? I know how much dedication that takes. So you weren't, the, you weren't the typical person that I would have come by at that point. You know what I'm huh. saying? So uh, Tommy had mentioned that you you and your family had owned a pier. I hear you. Uh, I, I think Tommy Tommy lost us for a minute. Uh, he mentioned that you and your family had owned a pier. Where where was that? It was that was an amusement. Here? Yeah, it I was, uh, can't hear you. Okay, hold on, Tommy. I, I, I'll try to get a sound back on. Go ahead, Gary. It was uh, Seaside Park and Seaside Heights. Um, my dad owned um, an arcade. He owned two arcades, and um, attached to the arcade was um, a pier of rides, and they also had entertainment out there. And um, so what Tommy's referring to was they would bring wrestling in on the pier. So they would set up a ring on the pier. And earlier in the day, there would be guys that uh, that worked out, you know, and um, and above one of the arcades, I had a I had an apartment. And um, and that's what Tommy's referring to. I had an apartment over the ocean on top of the um, on top of the arcade, so yeah, my family was involved for years, and I, I still do own property over there. Oh, okay, that's uh, interesting. Tommy has unfortunately lost us on a microphone, Gary. Um, I can't so, hear. I I know Tommy. Uh, so. But we can hear him. Yeah, we we can we can hear you, Tommy. So. Uh, it's as as we wrap this up, uh, unfortunately, because Tommy can't hear us. Um, what were some of the highlights of, of your career? And you're still working as a manager, so uh, you're still at it. Uh, yeah, I, I still go out to do um, guest, mostly guest ring announce. Um, mm-hmm. I'll go out and do the main event of a show. I was in uh, Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. Um, I still do conventions. Um, I'll be at the 80s uh, wrestling convention in Morristown, New Jersey, first weekend in May. Uh, and I still just go out to indie shows just to um, get my wrestling fix, you know, to enjoy a show and to scout talent, you know. Um, yeah, so I, I, I still dabble mm-hmm. in it. Um, my Facebook page is really hot. It's really successful. Um, where I share a lot of Gary Michael Petta at Facebook is excuse me. 
is that just Gary Michael Capetta at Facebook, or is it a, a particular name that you have it under? It is uh, G, my initials, GMC, mm-hmm. the number four real. GMC for That's real. That's awesome. And on. Um, Thanks for telling me that story. Twitter, it's uh, just Gary Capetta. And on um, Instagram, it's Gary Capetta. So, I, yeah, I, it's just a, a lot of people, they just love to. Um, to see and to hear about the old school wrestling. Yes. Um, so I post every day and the following has just uh, been amazing. And I have a Facebook store there. If you want to get like t-shirts or my book or um, a trading card, you know, all kinds of things. Now, what is the title of your book? It's body slams memoirs of a wrestling pitchman. Mm-hmm. Okay, and do you have any other uh, links other than Facebook? Do you have like YouTube's or anything that you would like to put out there for for people to? I do have a yeah. Now that you met, I do have a YouTube mm-hmm. channel. Um, it's once again it's Gary Capetta, and um, I have playlists of my work in WWF playlist, WCW playlist for NWA for AWA for some of the weird things that happened to me in the in the ring, you know, I just uh, categorize so that folks that go to the page can um, pop up whatever interests them. That's awesome. Listen, Gary, I'd, I'd love to have you back when, uh, when Tommy can uh, understand and we can hear him. So uh, we're going to try to have you try to have you back uh, soon for part two, maybe uh, if, if you have something to continue with. But uh, for, for now, I, I have learned a lot from, from this. And uh, I hope we could pick up where we left off at, at another time. Thank you very much. I, I enjoyed talking with you. And, and we've enjoyed it, too. Uh, sorry for, for Tommy not being able to hear this. But uh, thank you so much for joining us, Gary. And uh, thanks for joining us on Wrestling Rewind. And uh, please join us every Sunday on YouTube on Monty and the Pharaohs Network. And until next week, for my co-host Tommy Cairo and myself, Angel Amoroso, uh, have a nice night and a nice life. Good night.